Hello and welcome to Over the Edge. This episode features an interview between Matt Trefiro and Mike Lebecki, National Geographic Explorer, and Bill Pfeiffer, Edge Messaging and Thought Leadership Director at Dell Technologies. Bill works as the Messaging and Thought Leadership Lead for Dell Technologies Edge team. He focuses on making Edge easy to understand with simple messages that are useful to help enterprises succeed as they build, grow, and simplify their edges. Before joining Dell Technologies, Bill's career was focused on technical sales, training, and engagement. Mike Lebecki was named a 2013 National Geographic Adventurer of the Year for his commitment to exploring the world's most remote places. Mike is a climber and has planned and succeeded on more than 60 expeditions. He's also completed several first ascents. Mike has received numerous grants and awards, and he's appeared on PBS, the National Geographic Channel, the History Channel, the Discovery Channel, and the Travel Channel. In this episode, Mike and Bill describe the relationship between Dell Technologies and Mike's expeditions. Mike brings Dell Technology to the most remote corners of the world. He uses the technology himself and gives it to the people he encounters. In their mission to give back, Dell Technologies and Mike work hand-in-hand to bring technology, education, and innovation to communities across the globe. Mike and Bill describe how they deploy edge technology in faraway regions. Bill discusses the future of edge, while Mike explains how it ties into his humanitarian missions and nonprofit. But before we get into it, here's a brief word from our sponsors. Over the Edge is brought to you by Dell Technologies to unlock the potential of your infrastructure with edge solutions. From hardware and software to data and operations across your entire multi-cloud environment, we're here to help you simplify your edge so you can generate more value. Learn more by visiting dell.com for more information or click on the link in the show notes. Two years ago, when I started the Over the Edge podcast, it was all about edge computing. That's all anybody can talk about. But since then, I've realized the edge is part of a much larger revolution. That's why I'm pretty proud to be one of the founding leaders of a nonprofit organization called the Open Grid Alliance, or OGA. The OGA is all about incorporating the best of edge technologies across the entire spectrum of connectivity, from the centralized data center to the end-user devices. The Open Grid will span the globe and will improve the performance and economics of new services like private 5G and smart retail. If you want to be part of the Open Grid movement, I suggest you start at opengridalliance.org, where you can download the original Open Grid manifesto and learn about the organization's recent projects and activities, including the launch of its first innovation zone in Las Vegas, Nevada. And now, please enjoy this interview between Matt Trefiro and Mike Lebecki, National Geographic Explorer, and Bill Pfeiffer, Edge Messaging and Thought Leadership Director at Dell Technologies. Hey, Bill. Hey, Mike. How are you guys doing today? Doing well. How about yourself, Matt? Oh, I'm doing terrific. This is a, a really interesting interview. We have a technologist. Bill, you're from Dell Technologies. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and, and what you do? I am the Edge Messaging Director at Dell. So that's kind of the overall position of how the Edge is evolving, how it fits into technology spaces, how it fits into Dell Technologies. And Mike, I think it's the first time that I've actually met someone with a title that has the word adventure in it. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about your background and, and your relationship to Dell Technologies? Yeah, I mean, gosh, I'm in, I used to be a, a, an old math physics nerd, and I started in second grade. I mean, I'll try to do a long story short, but uh, one of my teachers told my parents that something's going on in his mind with math, and it was just things were clicking. 
And so through the years, math has just been something I've loved and have been obsessed with all through high school and in college. And that has really defined a lot of my life. I look at my lifestyle as these big equations. But I get a couple fancy titles like National Geographic Explorer. I'm one of the National Geographic Adventures of the Year. But I'm a professional climber, explorer, and athlete at heart. And the relationship with Dell started in about 2014 when the Rugged team reached out and said, you're doing all these amazing trips. We'd love for you to test our product on these expeditions, kind of the real world lab. And I kind of thought, okay, you know, a lot of the tech that we have gets destroyed in the field and I'll try it. And I, we tried it out in the field and we were downloading terabytes of film through it, using it for GPS. We were using it for Skype via satellite in these remote places. And I'm like, wow, this really works. And so that relationship started with Dell, where it was a very organic, authentic connection because I need product that I need product that won't fail in the field, but I needed to work at optimum performance. And that relationship grew into working with Rugged, working with give back projects with Dell, with their precision, with their monitors, video, editing, film, all the way here to Bill with the Edge team. I mean, just all over the board. So I'm technically a Dell Technologies Ambassador. And we have a lot of teamwork and a lot of really cool projects together. Wow, there's so much I want to unpack in that. Let me just pick a couple of really fun ones. I love that you look at your life as a series of mathematical equations. Could, could you help us understand more of what that's really like from your perspective? Yeah, so, you know, a lot of my lifestyle is big expeditions. So I go all over the world and now 90 plus expeditions, well over 100 countries. And these are usually expeditions that are climbing, exploration, science, across the board, filmmaking in really remote places. And I have an expertise that can go out there and really be the difference of fail and prevail. And that's my job is to make sure the expedition is successful in every possible way. And so when I look at it as an equation, every single constant and variable through that entire equation equals the final product of success. Let's say, for example, uh, we did this project in Antarctica last year, and it was with the EDGE team. It was doing microplastics research. If I'm out in the field and my stove fails, our whole expedition fails. So that one little tool that I have to fix my stove is part of that equation. I can't forget that. I have to make sure everything is working the entire time to meet that final product of success. So every single tiny detail in that equation is just as important as the next to be successful on these trips. Yeah, wow, that's really interesting. It's like you invented your own kind of project management in a way, mapping all the dependencies and turning that into, into a successful expedition. It's hard for me to imagine that there are parts of the world that are maybe unexplored isn't the right word, but that are deserving of such a grand word is expedition. It's a world I'm not familiar with. Like, who decides what is an exp expedition and how do you go on an expedition? Well, and, and you know, I've been asked that question a lot. How do you define an expedition? And for me, it is going to the most remote places in the world, the hardest places to get to. And there are still places now that you can go to and rescue is not impossible. Of course, communications via satellite are there. And I utilize those for safety for, you know, we have doctors on call. We can call back to the Dell team and say, oh, hey, we're having a problem with this. Can you help us? Can you walk us through this? So communications on expeditions are there. But defining an expedition 
It really is those most remote places. And there are a lot of places that are still unexplored on this planet. I mean, as a matter of fact, I've got 22 expeditions planned on paper right now that are still unexplored and unknown out there from a climbing standpoint as an athlete, from a scientific research, from you know, figuring out Gondwana and Lower Asia and all these, you know, there's meteors and dinosaur bones. I mean, it's been a real, I, I would say an honor and pleasure that my life has evolved to work with so many different people in the world of exploration and science and athletic accomplishments. It's just an organic enthusiasm and I can't get enough of it. I'm, I feel really fortunate that I have that enthusiasm, that drive, because these expeditions, they get really intense. And if you don't love them, they're going to be really hard to do. And I'd say I'm obsessed. Some people would say there's an addiction here of some kind, but I love what I do and I'm grateful. And it, it all comes back to this one term of teamwork. I mean, I'm sitting here with you guys. I'm working with Bill and Dell and so many people that come together to make these expeditions possible. And what a beautiful thing to be out in the field but I think the most important part of it is coming back and telling these stories and getting people to, to see and feel and be part of these expeditions and what's going on out, out in the world on these trips. That's really cool. Um, now I'm excited to go dig up some of your, the information about your past expeditions now and really look into some of these. So, so Bill, Mike is out there figuring out where the edge is. Right. <laughs> right. And, you know, and I'm so used to thinking of the edge in these kind of industrial or retail or urban environments. But what Mike's doing is really of a, in a different world. Can you tell us how that fits into Dell Technologies' conception of edge and what your relationship is with these expeditions and, and what the company wants its relationship to be with these expeditions? So a little bit roundabout, but we had talked to Mike about engaging in some future projects and he mm -hmm. sent a list of what he was planning. And I looked at it and I'm like, wow, 12 year old me would have listed that out as the stuff I want to do for a living. And then I grew up and got a job and those are four choices apparently. So he actually figured out a way to make that work for the world and make it useful. Like kudos to him, man. I just, it's phenomenal the stuff that he's doing, but we have our view of the edge, right? And it's, it's the technological, you know, looking at data centers, looking at clouds, how do we help rebalance that technology? So it's closer to people. So it's providing new types of value, but he's going farther out. And so that's kind of pushing the definition of the edge, but it's it's taking technology out of the data center and putting it close to where the people are. Now, those people don't happen to be technologically advanced right now. They're living, they're subsistence farmers. He's working with a group now that their first contact with outsiders, specifically with white people, was 10 years ago. They had just never seen anybody outside of their subsistence farming local native economy. And so they don't have access to modern education and to modern communications and to modern information on farming methods and the technology for farming methods and things like that. And so Dell's mission at a high level is to create the technologies that drive human progress. And that's not to say the Silicon Valley technologies that drive Silicon Valley progress, right? It's, it's humanity's progress. And we have whole communities that just haven't had access to education. And there could be brilliant people in those communities that will do amazing things, or there could be really you know, functional advances. 
And so we're getting involved with him and trying to give them access to technology. What are they going to do with it? We don't know. I could tell you a couple of like high tech whiz bang, cool things that we see coming with the edge in terms of home automation and car automation and farm automation and things like that. But then when you're talking about natives who are farming for a living and hunting for a living and don't have any technology, what can they do with just a little bit that's specifically applied to help the trajectory of their village or you know get their kids into maybe mainstream life, maybe just doing their life better? Yeah. Okay. So I want to come back to that because I think there's two relationships that Dell Technologies has with Mike in a sense from a technological standpoint. And the first one is what he talked about. It's the gear that I put in my pack and that I bring along with my expedition so it doesn't fail. And then there's the, it sounds like some of the technology that you guys leave behind to learn with the communities that Mike is engaging with. Right. And so let's let's tackle those separately. So so Mike, what's in your gear bag? The nerdy technology that you just can't live without uh, on your expeditions? Like what's the technology? I mean, the stove fixing tool, obviously. Well, yeah, so like the stove fixing tool was a, an example that it's this little teeny tiny tool, the little, this little thing and this huge expedition way out in the field when you have to not only survive, but you have to perform an at optimum level, whether it's the science, the focus, you know, it's minus 30 degrees, you're emotionally having a tough day. I mean, there's so much going on, but, you know, getting into the bag of tech, I mean, you can imagine the film cameras, the still cameras, the, the laptops, the hard drives, the satellite communications. Think about the battery power we're using. We have to have a whole solar system set out there. So we're gathering energy from solar, charging our batteries. I mean, it's a nonstop 24-7 office just to keep things powered. There's that theme on my expedition, whether it's a sleeping bag, stove, my rugged laptops. The theme is it absolutely cannot fail. And then back to it has to work at an optimum performance if we're going to succeed at the highest level. Bring back the best stories but particularly on our, you know, recent collaboration with Dell, with Bill, with the whole team there, you know, we were down in Bolivia, built two new schools, full set up complete solar power. We brought 50 new computers. We're teaching natives, digital natives, which I think came up from Bill and team, where one of these villages had not connected with the civilization until 10 years ago. And here we are bringing high tech computers, teaching them software that... They'd never touched a, a keypad or a mouse before. I mean, there's like, whoa, and next thing you're doing, they're, they're making art, they're learning this technology. I mean, it is absolutely fascinating. And to Bill's point, you know, we want to enhance the quality of these lives. They want this technology. They want to advance, get different careers, go to college, have learning skills for better crops, how to manage their water. I mean, there's so much going on with these, but the most recent trip, you know, is a humanitarian give back trip. And we're bringing education. We want to bring next level education to help advance the, the human capacity of what they can do. I mean, it's, it's a lot to talk about, but it was all really years ago inspired by my daughter to kind of start these give back trips and these big humanitarian projects. And through the world of humanitarianism and giving back, one of the biggest needs is solar power and computer literacy and education. And that's going to advance the people that are really in need to make their lives a better quality and bringing internet to these communities. Imagine that world. 
of the education that opens up if they can sit down and go on the internet and learn about our world and learn how to make their lives better. Again, to Bill's point of, you know, farming, agriculture, hunting, water systems, having shower, having hot water, having clean water. It's a lot. And then that comes back to those equations. How do we figure this out? Yeah. So let's talk about the Bolivia expedition. And that was the most recent one, the Bolivia one that you just completed. When did you start planning this and what was the purpose? And the reason I asked the purpose is you mentioned that this was a humanitarian expedition. And so I imagine there are other expeditions that you lead, or maybe there aren't. Maybe you can explain how that all works. You know, I've been traveling the world, expeditions, like I said, over 100 countries, all these expeditions for years and years. I'm a father. I have a daughter who's grown up with a very unique lifestyle. I mean, she's traveled all over the world, has been to all seven continents, over 30 countries by the time she was 16. And we were doing these adventures, really incredible adventures, and we went to Africa and we did this big solar install and we brought some computers from Dell to these orphanages and we're trying to do this project. And my daughter was like, Dad, these adventures are great, but what are we doing to give back? How are we changing the world? And, and really became passionate about that. And I said, you know, we could start an organization and really try to do our part, really try to bring in a lot of teamwork to make a difference. And that was kind of born of our, our 501c3 nonprofit. And then I had been working, started working with Dell. And then of course my daughter's like, we want to do this and this. And, and all my friends at Dell are like, oh my gosh, look at this young woman wanting to change the world. How can we support you? And then we also work with Goal Zero, which is a solar company. And that solar technology and the computer literacy with the Dell team is such a perfect synergy because we got to power the stuff. And then we started bringing a team from Dell along with us on these trips to Africa, Peru, Philippines, Bolivia, Nepal, building schools. I mean, it's turned into this incredible project of teamwork and support. And then we're, you know, teaching the kids on the computers. I mean, again, I can ramble on about this, but it, then it comes into it's working, it's happening. We did this uh, give back project with Dell in India, 14 kids at this orphanage got that computer literacy, got the education, and now they're in college. The first time in their families ever to go get a higher education and imagine the generations to come that that education is going to affect in their communities and their families. I mean, it's, it's a beautiful story and we're just so excited that we can be that nucleus or that constant to, to bring this. And that was how Bolivia, Bolivia is the same thing. We built two schools, we brought the solar, we brought the computers, teachers to educate, the Dell team. And what's really important about this that I need to talk about is, it's not just going in and here's the new schools, here's the solar, here's the computers, great. We did our, it's sustainability. That's just the first part. It's gotta continue. We have to have the software updates. We have to have the teaching. We have to have the continued focus to make sure it's actually working and making a difference. So sustainability and the continuing relationship to make sure everything is working and the education is actually happening consistently, it's not worth it without the sustainability factor. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And yeah. you mentioned that the, was it a village that you did the expedition? Is village the correct word? Yeah, there were, there were three, three different villages. Oh, but let me, let me note on how do we find these places? And you, you asked that question. All these expeditions and travel around the world, I mean, so many places, you know, you're going through, and I, I guess I'll use the word, you know, sort of third world, 
areas and countries that are kind of left behind technologically and many other ways. And I'm going through these places and meeting these people and seeing these areas. And I can go back from all of my travels think, gosh, there's all these places that I want to go visit and ask, do they want the help? Do they want solar and computers? So I know these places from my travels over the last, you know, 25 plus years of people that look like they could use some help, that they don't have the help from their government or other, but we can make our little difference by going back and trying to help these communities. So all the locations I mentioned, Bolivia was one of them. I had been there climbing, adventuring, went back to these places. I have meetings. I just show up in the villages. Hey, we would like to give back. We would like to see what, if you have wants or needs in these villages, how can we help? And it usually comes down to helping with access to water, but it really the big things are solar energy and computer literacy and education because they want that education. They want to go to college They want to have different careers. So we find these places because I've been, I've just been all over the world and I know where to go look. And I I just show up out of nowhere, have a meeting with the chief or the leader or the, the mayor of these towns or villages. Hey, are you guys interested in this? Next thing you know, oh my gosh, we would love this. And then, then it starts. And to answer your question about when this started you know, this particular trip was quite the challenge because we started this in late 2019, early 2020. And so I went down, we started getting this construction going, got the thumbs up from Goal Zero Solar and Dell. And then of course, boom, COVID hit. We were, you know, we were shut down. So it has been perseverance and focus and staying in touch. As soon as we felt post COVID, which is, you know, that dance that we're still sort of mingling with, but we got down there, we finished it, and we got it done. And so now we'll be going back here in a few months to continue that process. But I hope that answers that question. Well, yeah, it does. And I, and I want to paint a really detailed picture because, you know, we're dealing with audio here. And most of us, including myself, have not been to Bolivia. So pick one of these villages. What was the, what's the name of one of these villages? So you could pick Puerto Russo, um, El Tigre, fly into La Paz go into another little flight to this little town of Ruranabake, take a big bus for several hours, get in four by fours, go out deep into the jungle. Imagine these are very remote places. And in today's day and age, and Bill reminded me of this, when these people first connected with the outside world just 10 years ago, that's pretty remote. Just imagine this village where you come in and, you know, it's pretty old style of, of living, hunter, gatherer, farming, agriculture, and there's no power. There's no lights, there's candles, and now they have full solar. All the buildings, all the houses, everything have lights now from solar. In this particular village, there's probably about 600 people. And all, you know, from K through 12, but adult, so on that note, Every age of, of learners, from, from students to adult learners that want to learn this technology. But if you, I think that's one of the things of painting the picture. Imagine having no power, no lights at all in your life, and then leaving. And we took 6,000 pounds of solar equipment. I mean, this is, these are huge projects. I mean, we're shipping all of this down. There's customs, there's paperwork, there's logistics, legalities. They're all done 
through NGOs that are down there that I connect with and meet, through the government. It's all legitimate stuff. I mean, there's a lot that goes into these. They're really, really big projects, and they're, I mean, they're really impactful. But I like that vision of imagine living with no lights or power, and then the whole entire village has solar, over 100 solar panels and solar batteries, and now there's a, a huge school building with desks and chairs that we had built by the locals there. And, you know, we're trying to keep this in the local area. It's, it's a complete change of life for them. But it's also we, important to note, I mean, to pay attention and not miss the point that you're working with the village elders to coordinate what happens. Yeah, they're getting what they want and what they ask for in your partnership with you. Mike has seen places where, you know, a corporation donates a bunch of laptops, they drop them off and say, there you go, you have technology, and then they leave. And they don't have power, and they don't have operating system updates, and they don't have training on how to do anything, and they just sit there getting older. And so Mike is going in and talking to the village elders and saying, do you want this? Is this a good change for you? Is this going to help your lives and your village, or is it just going to take away your kids and kill the village or, you know, just be a waste of money and time? And so... I think one of the the biggest pieces of value to this is that he's actually forming relationships and he's going back for a couple of years and it's not disrupting their lifestyle, it's enhancing, right? So we want to give them opportunities as opposed to just here's technology, right? As of today, none of them are tired this morning because they were up until two o'clock in the morning doom scrolling TikTok. Is that really what we want to do to the village? Probably not. We, we have light, but now we also have screen time problems with the children, right? Yeah, that's really interesting. So Bill, what is the, the package of technology that Dell Technologies brought to these villages in Bolivia? And what is it being used for? And how is it thought of in the ecosystem of edge computing? In this case, it's, it's the first real foray there. So it was laptops and uh, a couple of um, teacher units that had uh, Mike loaded up some educational software and he's working on some internet access and things like that. So it's just getting the kids access um, and actually some of the adults access to basic tablets and laptops just to get technology into their hands and start to get them into an educational system, right? Because they never had access to that before. And so from an edge perspective, it's more, more than anything else, it's number one, a future investment. I'll, I'll touch on that in a second, but also building the next generation of people who are going to do interesting things at the edge. We understand like how to improve a factory with cool high-tech stuff and how to improve a data center with cool high-tech stuff and rebalancing that technology. But if you put just a little bit of technology out in the field where there's never been any, we don't know what they're going to do with it, but it may improve their water safety or help them hunt and survive during a lean year or even just give their kids the option of going to college, maybe send some money back to help build up more infrastructure, maybe come back and do some clever coding and put in some clever automation or maybe none of that. We don't know, uh, but it at least gives them the option to start understanding what that could be. And then from an edge perspective, we would start with just basic laptops, basic education, a basic um, school system. And from there, if we start putting in advanced edge technology, as soon as it breaks, nobody has a clue what it is or what it does. It's just this black magic that sits there and does a magical thing until it stops. And so they have to come up to a certain level before we can say, hey, let's automate that. And, you know, put in some mechanisms and a little bit of Python coding and stuff like that. 
And so maybe down the road, we can work with them to start to identify how they can use that edge, that offline compute with sensors, with video cameras, with water sensors, with temperature sensors, with proximity sensors. Where do they need help? Where are they fine right now and should be left alone? I don't know. Um, And until we know more about that stuff, it doesn't make sense to just jam technology in. It makes a lot more sense to give them what they can absorb now and go back in a year and see what can they absorb next? What do they need next? And we will start to learn more about how to help in more primitive spaces like that, where, I mean, I come from suburban Detroit right now. I don't know what it's like to be a subsistence farmer in the jungle and what they need. And so, you know, trying to come up with my own idea of a solution seems like a bad idea. Mike's at least been there and even he couldn't come up with exactly what they would need next. So we'll give them some education and some time and then we'll ask them. What is the difference between edge computing in a village in Bolivia and providing laptops to people in a village in Bolivia? Because we've been providing laptops to people in villages for decades. Right. Why is this edge computing? I wouldn't argue that it is necessarily. This is actually a major point of contention because everyone disagrees on what Totally, totally. So, okay, so fair enough. What is your definition of edge? So the definition that we've settled on as Dell Technologies is the edge is where data is acted on near its point of creation to drive immediate essential value. So if we're collecting data that can't get to a data center or a cloud, either because there is no internet connection or because it's too big, too fast, too private, something, right? And you act on it with some sort of automation to provide new value, to solve a problem that you couldn't before. We're not doing that in this case. There aren't sensors around that village that are piping information in with automation and AI to run around and say, oh, we recognize this thing, so we're doing this action, and that makes their life better. Again, it's it's more foundational than that. Right. So in your view, installing the technology, I mean, obviously, you can't have computers without power. <laughs> and so right. installing the solar panels and yeah. getting getting the village up to a level where it can even support the technology right. is like the first step. And then you're saying that that it becomes edge computing probably some point in the future when mm-hmm. they attach their first sensor, whether it's a rain sensor or a solar sensor or something that then starts collecting some data and is then acted upon. Okay, so I'm going to challenge your definition anyways. Is the <laughs> microcontroller with a little bit of code and a little bit of operating system it's in my dishwasher that's stopping it from being imbalanced when the thing spins too fast? Right. Is yeah. that edge computing? Because it's taking data at the edge. It's not sending it to a data center. It's processing it locally. Is that edge computing? You know, embedded microcontrollers have been around for a very long time. And is it immediate and essential value? Is it essential? Is it changing your life somehow? Is it solving a problem that couldn't be solved before? I, I, I mean, you know, as a message guy, right? Like there's always yeah. these these subtleties and you can never be specific. I actually did get a great definition of edge computing though that I've, I'm most fond of. It's very similar to yours, but a little bit different. Okay. The definition was edge computing is where the digital world meets the physical world. Uh-huh. Your definition certainly fits within that. Right, right. So we started with that a while ago. You know, like you could say that every video camera, every sensor is the edge because that's where the physical world turns into digital something. Okay, sure. But that doesn't explain why it's taken off, right? That's just what it is. 
And so we wanted to talk about why do our customers care? Why is there this massive technology inflection happening across the industry, across the world, right? It's because it's generating new value. It's solving problems that we couldn't touch before. Yeah, that's interesting. That's interesting. So you've included the outcome in the definition. All right, so back to you, Mike. I didn't get one of the questions answered that I wanted, but that was unfair because I asked you like 20 questions in a row. <laughs> what is the most valuable piece of Dell Technologies equipment that you take on your expeditions? And I want to answer that, and please ask that again, but you know, listening to Bill, you know, what's coming to mind is one of the reasons that, that I do all this stuff, especially the expeditions, there's a major drive called mystery. You never know what's going to happen on these trips, and specifically these give back humanitarian trips and bringing technology and education. What I'm excited about with Bill and team is it's taking the give back intention and the intention of the enhancement of the quality of lives here to a whole new level that I don't even understand. So they have issues of drought and containing water. How much water are they using? How much do they actually need? And if this is one small point that I see when I'm out in the field, that you know, this edge technology come in and understand how much water, what's going here, how's the fruit looking? I mean, there's, there's real issues out there that they don't know how to contend with. They just go with what Mother Earth gives them. And to think about edge technology and what Bill understands in his team that I don't, that can be efficient, that can make things metaphorically and literally fruitful and for them to take that to the markets. I mean, there's so much going on here. That's a, it's a whole new excitement of this mystery for me to be connecting with this kind of technology that I don't understand. Because my goal is, how do we make the lives better for these people in Bolivia, for the world, for the, you know, to be part of this global family? But I just wanted to say that this edge technology excites me because I think, especially for the third world places I'm going, Bolivia, all the places... These can take leapfrogs of things and make their lives so much better that they've been dealing with for who knows how long. And all of a sudden, boom, their problems are being solved. They're healthier. They're happier. They're again, I, I like that word fruitful, literally and, you know, metaphorically. It's it's an exciting thing for me to to listen to Bill talk about this and the conversations that we've had and what I don't still understand, but what can be possible. And that's a lot of work ahead. That's a lot. And you know, I was like, hey, Bill, come down to Bolivia. Like, let's get you and your team down there. Let's look at what's happening and getting, you know, e-bikes or, or e-cars that can take their fruit instead of having to walk it. I mean, there's just so much that could go on with this technology that can, can make these lives better. Look at our lives sitting here. We are so privileged. We have such comfortable, amazing lives. And to imagine helping others get those comforts, technologies, education, efficiency, whatever it is. And I just wanted to throw that out there because I'm very grateful to have connected through the normal channels with Bill and the Edge team that we can do more. Technology can actually advance the human race into comforts and happiness and joy. And everyone deserves that on this planet. And anyway, I wanted to throw that out there, but a lot of gratitude. But please ask that question again and I'll, I'll answer it for you. <laughs> Well, that, thank thank you for that, Mike. I'm I'm glad that you said that, and your passion is in, infectious. And we'll put in the show notes for anybody who wants to get involved. What is the name of the 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 nonprofit organization you and your daughter founded, by the way? So it's called the Joyneering Fund. And if you imagine engineering or mountaineering, it's Joyneering. So it's the act of how do we bring joy? You know, how can we bring joy to those that actually need it? 
like I said, we're all sitting here in a very, very comfortable, privileged life, I believe. It's the act of bringing joy. How can we do our part to bring joy to those who need it? So the question I was, I was asking uh, originally, Mike, was what piece of essential Dell Technologies gear do you find yourself bringing on every expedition or almost every expedition, if, if there's such a thing? I mean, I mean, that's an easy one. There's a lot of different stuff that I take, but it's the rugged tablets and the rugged laptops. This last trip that we did with Dell, I mentioned we were in Antarctica. We were doing some of the first microplastics research in the most remote place on the planet. And we're out with snow and freezing rain. Literally, we have our rugged laptops gathering data, transferring terabytes, connecting you know, with everything you can imagine from GPS, satellites, and we've got a laptop that it's just got frozen rain and it's crusted with ice or the, these wet snow coming down. I'm talking soaked. We're soaked. Our laptops are soaked. It's working fine. It's really impressive, actually, because when you go to wet places, we're talking jungles, deserts, mountains, minus 40 degrees, and it works. It's really actually very impressive. And then I got to visit the Dell lab where they, you know, they have all these tests for the rugged devices and it puts it through the ringer. I mean, we went to this desert and crossed this desert and we were burying these rugged laptops and like, you know, throwing them off cliffs and boom, turning them on. And here we go. I mean, sometimes I'm trying to destroy them. <laughs> it's really hard to do that. Anyway, the rugged devices that they make, they're ultra badass. That's amazing. And what's the internet connectivity solution usually? Like, how do you guys approach connecting to a network? Well, for a long time, you can use what's a, a BGAN system or Explorer unit that are made. And so you set up these little sat kind of satellite dishes out in the field and you have a specific connection coordinate with a satellite. You can plug in and connect right away. I mean, you can even do video chats. And this has been going on for, you know, well over a decade that you can connect anywhere in the world via satellite. You know, with SpaceX and all these other things, we're going to have internet anywhere pretty, pretty darn soon. And so that's usually hasn't been a big issue. And then satellite phones, those have been around for, you know, 20, well, gosh, 30 plus years. You can get on a satellite phone and call. But being able to connect a laptop now and connect to a satellite with very high speed connection. I mean, for me on a side note of my lifestyle, imagine, you know, for the most of my adult life, especially being a dad, being out in the field four, five, six, seven months a year, one of the most important things for me is, is connecting with my family, breaking out my rugged, connecting it to a began to a satellite, and I'm Skyping with my daughter or, or family. So you mentioned earlier, oh, you know, the dream life, I love my lifestyle. There's another side of it where you miss Christmas, you miss birthdays, you get homesick, mental wellness. There are a lot of challenges on the other side of it that are very challenging. I'll leave them at that. But the support of family and friends and knowing that we're doing stuff for good is Bill knows I like to ramble on, but I like to tell these stories that there's a side of this stuff that, you know, like anything, there's compromise sacrifice. And I want to come back to saying having that technology is one of the most important parts for me on these expeditions with this lifestyle, not just the give back part, but just being able to operate in the field. You know, we bring these stories home. And for example, right now we're talking about this. If people are listening to this thinking, what am I doing to give back? Yeah, they don't need to go build schools and bring computers and solar, but what are we all doing to give back in any way to our community locally or globally? What, maybe that's a good point of a lot of this talk is, hey, everyone, what are you doing to give back? Are you volunteering at your animal shelter, homeless shelter? Are you stopping 
using single use plastics. I mean, that question of how are we living with integrity for our families, community, world? There's a lot to lot going on here with all of this stuff. Yeah, and I think Mike, especially you know you bringing those sentiments to this audience that Bill and I largely represent, which is a technology audience. I mean, I have to say, three or four times during my career, I've just looked at what I do and I'm like, it's just software on a box. And so you have to find those threads. You have to find those threads where, no, this thing that I'm doing that maybe is, you know, three, four steps removed from any human I know, right? It's like it's managing workloads in a data center or something, right? It's just like something that no, no normal person ever touches. You do have to place the work you do in that context, which is like, how am I helping humanity? Like Dell Technologies, like something that doesn't, doesn't have a direct profit implication. Tell us, how, how does a company like Dell that's private, you know, it's a company that's there to make profit, how does it rationalize this kind of work? How does it hire somebody like you to, you know, give you the time and energy to, to hang out with Mike and make these great things happen? So it does come back to the mission. I've worked for a number of companies in the past, but I haven't worked for one like Dell because the founder, the man whose name is on the company, is still the CEO. And this is his legacy to the world. And so the mission, we say we create technologies that drive human progress and people go, blah, 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 that's cute. But we really do try, right? And that doesn't necessarily just mean driving human progress by making clouds bigger and data centers faster. That can be how can we help in our communities or in some other community to actually drive human progress in a way that makes sense. And so helping to improve technology adoption around the world and provide the some level of equality and equity in less privileged spaces is a fantastic, I mean, it's a noble effort. Everyone feels good about that. From a business perspective, yes, you know, the rest of the world will then develop more and will buy more stuff. Yay. But then the way that Mike is going about this, again, connecting with the village elders and kind of drip feeding things in, in a way that they can absorb and maintain that's sustainable and responsible so that they can drive their own progress. And in what direction will that go? We may learn something amazing. Right? If you think back to when computers were much more primitive, we would have very limited memory space to use. And now we just have like effectively infinite cloud storage and memory and nobody cares. And so what will they do when they have just this little bit of data and just this little bit of compute and just this tiny little internet connection? What are they going to come up with? Who knows? Are we starting to see that evolution? So we mentioned the most recent trip to Bolivia. We brought all this technology. We brought the solar panels. We created the schools. We brought the, the laptops and the pads and everything. This becomes like edge when it starts collecting data and maybe doing some analysis locally. Have any of your projects gotten to that point with doing some, you know, doing some edge computing? And if not, when, when do you anticipate that happening, even in the, the simplest way? It's a process of maturing. And some, some folks inside of Dell joke that, Edge is the oldest emerging technology on the planet. We've had technology in factories since forever, but now all of a sudden we have high definition video cameras and we have great AI algorithms that can do something with that data. And we have durable, fast, high powered compute that we can put out there in the field to run the AI and do something with the data so that we can automate clever solutions. And so we're seeing things like there was a story about a farming combine 
and it had cameras that would shoot down and look at the plants. And as the combine was driving over the plants, it would analyze and say, this one's a little bit dry. Okay, shoot some water on it. This one has this type of pests. Great, put something to control that. This one's getting fungus. Great, put something to control that. And so you didn't have to carpet bomb the fields with every chemical. You got healthier plants. It cost the farmer less. And it was because you could do this while you were driving over the plants. It's the convergence of, of all these technologies that have gone through giant step functions, yep. right? It's emerging in a new form factor, so to speak. We've had the technologies for doing Uber, right? right. We've had flat right. panel displays and we've had GPS, we've had these things, but it never happened until it all got like crammed into an iPhone that was less than $1,000 at AT&T was selling mass retail. And then right? everyone had them and yeah. then people had something like that, right? And yeah. so like who would have thought like, you know what, I'm going to put high definition cameras on a farming combine and we're going right. to do something. That's an amazing thing to solve. So do you see these as little experiments? Mike says, let's go here. And you're like, okay, let's let's drop some, some experiments down and see what happens in a few years. Yeah, I mean, he went to Antarctica and we helped support that. And part of that was, you know, we would get lots of video data to train AI and maybe we could do something interesting with that, like count penguins and identify how many unique right. penguins they have, right? Like you look at a field of penguins and you go, wow, that's a lot of penguins. The AI could tell you there's 2,327. Yeah, and just like watch it to see how much do they rotate? How much are they out fishing versus sitting at home with the nest or whatever? The AI could identify there are this many unique ones in that population. Maybe that's interesting and useful to the world somehow. Maybe we can come up with some cool new thing that does similar things. Does any of this like captured in documentary style where we'll actually get to see the story? unfold with like all this, you know, video of penguins and data scientists and laptops that are frozen and, or are we just, we going to use the, the power of our mind to visualize this? We talked a little bit about Antarctica, uh, you know, we're doing edge computing, a lot of different science down there. And we're just getting the results back from the research where we were testing icebergs, ocean, glaciers, air for microplastics. And it takes a little while. There's been some COVID stuff, but in the labs, you know, it has to be 100% mathematically clean samples. So we're getting that back, and it'll be really interesting to see what can edge technology identify about these microplastics. You know, Bill talked a little bit about kind yeah. of as an example of, let's say, you know, we were down there shooting 8K footage, 11K 360 virtual reality footage. You know, what... Things can maybe be learned that actually takes it to a real-world application that's doing something important. I love that Bill and team were kind of like, hey, we're a little intrigued here. Let's let's play with this because what little thing could come up from somebody or something or a piece of information that turns into something we weren't thinking about? That technology can unfold in this exploration of what, you know, what I'm doing and bringing technology. I mean, it's it's fun. It's fun. What what will happen? What's that mystery? What can unfold from this? Because I don't understand it exactly, but I think that I just like the fact that it's a real world exploration lab with this technology, with the things I'm doing from the penguins to the microplastics to the natives to digital natives. What are these people thinking from their generations of life and experience and how they're living and they get this technology and they're coming up with ideas that can change their life or their world that spreads to other communities that are like them. I mean, it's, again, there's a lot of organic enthusiasm here to see what 
that mystery unfolds. And I, and I just love that about this. Matt, I wanted to, to kind of just push back a little bit with something that you've said, because do we need some drama on this podcast? I don't Please. know. <laughs> so, it's not that. Yeah, let's, 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 <laughs> have, let's have a little, let's have a little arm wrestling. You know, come on. It's like what, you know, any film, you got to have some drama and some payoff here. So any, anyway, but you mentioned, you know, you were asking Bill about Dell for profit. If we're not making a living, if we're not making a profit, none of this stuff happens. You know, I work with companies that I believe in and, you know, you say Dell or a company, it's people. And the amount of ocean plastics that Dell takes to turn into packaging, the recycling programs they have, the carbon that they're gathering to turn into ink. Dell is a very unique group of people that are investing in sustainability factors, in ways to figure out how this planet is evolving and moving I've worked with a lot of companies over the years. There's some I don't work with because it's profits, profits, profits. And I'm working with these teams at Dell. So many departments are like, we're trying to do this. We're going to create a laptop that you can actually recycle and you can replace this. And I just wanted to put that out there because it's really impressive on the investment that the teams at Dell are doing to, to give back and to try to find sustainability and to try to be with sign of the times of we want to have integrity in our company and do the best thing we can. We're taking all these resources, building all this product. How do we do it the best way that we can? And this is a proven thing. I mean, the stuff that's happening there is, is really impressive. And I've been working with these guys a long time in sustainability teams and corporate responsibility. And I, I just want to, to get that out there that it's some good people doing some pretty amazing things there. So it's a special thing for me to, to work with different people like that. They're thinking on the forefront of how do we, yes, make profits and make all this amazing stuff, but how do we do it sustainably? How do we do it in the best etiquette we can? And it's impressive. Yeah, I think that's a great message, Mike. And it's one of the reasons I'm happy to dedicate an entire hour or so of my show to uh, something that's nominally about edge computing. But as, as Bill said, it's not quite yet. It's the future of edge computing. It's where we're going with edge computing. You know, Mike, one of the things I think is really cool about things like this, where we're going out and we're sticking technology that can gather data and can operate beyond us being there. We can leave it behind and it can continue to collect data or or help the local peoples that, that we left it with. But one thing that's really neat about it is this emergence of what people are calling citizen data scientists. You talk about all this like data that comes out of Antarctica. Well, chances are it will get published in some database that's publicly accessible. And then you can have people all over the world, maybe some kid in a village in Bolivia, <laughs> analyzing the data that's coming off of Antarctica because you led an expedition there and collected a bunch of it. The ability to open up sort of global problem solving to global ingenuity is, is something that should emerge from this. What do you guys think? So there's, there's fascinating potential all around. And I mean, it all ties together into how we drive human progress and the sustainability and the survivability of all of this stuff and just where we're headed as a company, as a world, how we connect everything together. But it's really going to be interesting to see as, as the edge develops, what it becomes. And so this is stuff that isn't edge yet, but what will the edge become as technology continues to decentralize? And we get more and more technology out there in our regular lives and out there with people who didn't care about technology or didn't have access to technology or didn't think they need technology. 
there's all the conversation about 5G. It's going to change the world because it's faster, but it's not because it's faster that it's going to change the world. It's just we don't yet know what it's going to become. It's faster than 4G, but it has that software. Yeah, it's raw, it's raw capability. And yeah, we, and, and the yeah. massive like device-to-device communication, which is really going to be about the edge. I'm convinced that it's that device-to-device communication that's how it's going to change the world. Once it's out there and the devices are out there, then the world will start to interact with me so that I don't have to interact with the world. Doors will just open and temperatures will adjust and I can call an autonomous car to come pick me up and it will put on my favorite music and adjust the seat to my physical preferences, whatever. You know, it's going to be minor stuff like that and some major stuff. But how is that going to work? We don't know yet. Like in the 3G world, you wouldn't have thought of Uber because we just didn't have that always on high speed internet connectivity. So 4G was going to change the world because it was faster. It's not why it changed the world. 5G is going to change the world because it's faster. Edge computing is going to change the world because it's pushing compute out there. Well, but then once the compute's out there and it's everywhere and we can use the data that's out there and we have more sensors, what's that going to do? I was listening to you and thinking about it, that we in technology spend all of our time trying to predict how these technologies that we introduce are going to be used. To your point, Bill, often we just completely miss the mark. But really the power in what we're doing isn't that we figured out how to solve one use case or two use cases that are in our head. It's that we've created a platform upon which thousands of use cases that maybe we never even imagined. We can move forward knowing that we're doing good things now and we're helping you know, progress things inch by inch. Yeah, that's right. The rocket program that got us to the moon for for what value, what value do we go to the moon for, like helped us put thousands of satellites in orbit that, you know, have changed our, our world miraculously. Yeah. And we learned so much about technology and durability and all that stuff. Yeah. So, so, so Mike, looking forward to your, your long list of, of expeditions that you've given Bill, are there any that standouts in your mind that you think are just on your, your short bucket list? I didn't see going to the moon on your bucket list. Would that be there? <laughs> I would absolutely jump on the chance to do that. There was actually a project. I, I can't remember the guy's name, but he was offering these um, to win this thing to go to the moon. And I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but I applied. I sent in the video. I did all this stuff because I was like, I'm your guy. Put me as one of these 12 people to bring a unique perspective. But I'd love to, you know, I've been all over this world. But I, haven't I think William to, Shatner took your spot. I've sent letters and, and things to Elon Musk. I want to go to space. You know, all these trips and all these ideas, and I have tons of them. But really, right now, my focus is the recent trip to Antarctica and the microplastics research, what we can take from that, what we can learn, what we can do. My focus right now is the recent Bolivia trip, staying focused on that with the students, the teachers, the technology, connecting with Bill and his team, my team, and, and staying focused until that is in a good rhythm and that we can take everything that we can from that and set that up for continued success. Because as I've mentioned, I'm very excited about edge computing and this AI type of technology that I don't understand completely. That's, that's one of the things you're hearing me say is the time is now, I wanna stay focused on that. I wanna see how we can keep developing and learning from that because is life not just about learning and growing for all of us in, in so many ways? And I want to stay focused on that. I want to keep that momentum, enthusiasm, try to get Bill to come down to Bolivia with me and just 
see what this potential is that that can happen here again the the one or two people in this village that because of their generations of life to this very moment how are they thinking completely different than we are that can be brought into a, a tech sort of mind and go we've never thought about that that potential possibility is with what we can learn what we can do and then of course the result of wow, it's going to make their lives better and bring more joy. I mean, what's life about for all of us? Pursuing joy and comfort that it's that that's where I'm at right now. So I'll look down the road further, but I want to stay focused on this stuff and make sure that we're doing the work that we need to do in every capacity. Great. All right. So, so Bill, what, it, what are you looking forward to? What's exciting to you when you look at the, you know, relatively near-term horizon? We've been focusing in this whole conversation on Mike's trips and those things that we've been doing. And it's not necessarily all about business and about the Silicon Valley and optimizing manufacturing and optimizing work. But we in the edge business unit are doing tons of work to optimize manufacturing and improve worker safety and improve efficiency and modernize retail experiences that will change the way we shop over the next couple of years. We're digging into the energy industry and the stuff that's coming when you put technology, actually smart, smart meters in your home to like bid on power usage and have sustainability where the previously one-way grid where you did power generation and sent it out to your customers. Now it becomes two-way because you have solar and wind and other sources. And yeah. so the world will change massively over the next five years, definitely over the next 10 years. We won't recognize things in 10 years in so many different directions because of what's happening at the edge. And just that potential, right? So the analysts typically agree that the edge opportunity in aggregate is gonna be as big as or bigger than cloud has ever been. And if you think about how much has changed because of the cloud over the last 10, 15 years, now we're gonna see that again because of the edge. That's mind blowing. Like this is a massive technology inflection that's starting right now. And we get to watch that and ride that wave and be part of it. And that's just absolutely amazing. It's just such an honor to be part of that, especially with a, with a big company like Dell, where we're really helping drive that, helping drive human progress. That's super exciting. And to, to end the interview, Bill, I want to come back to our, our original like mini fake debate on what is the edge. Because I have another belief related to this. And this when we get to that world that you just described, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. When we've put all this out in the field and it's all connected, it's all doing this interesting stuff, things that we never imagined, will we even call it the edge anymore? Or no. will it just be the internet? Well, so the way customers are buying at this point, it's been changing for you know ten years, right? Ten years ago, they wanted to build a data center, and now they want to solve. Now the last thing they want to own is a data center, <laughs> and they want to solve business problems, right? Like, do you yeah. want to buy a PC for your house? No, you want to be able to watch TV or walk into the room and have something happen because you walked into the room, and so it's like business metrics as a service or experiences as a service, and the technology is so far behind, and so it's this whole business model and the, the world of business is changing. 
and the way people buy and sell and why people buy and sell, we're moving toward Apex, which is the as a service and easier buying, easier ways to package technology. And the edge solutions business is working on partnerships of how do we get to business solutions as opposed to, I want this many cash registers at my store. Great, I have a server. Right, I want automated checkout as a service. Those two things are so far apart. And so we're moving so fast toward you know, Dell Technologies is becoming a business partner for our customers. Over the next couple of years, you're going to see that completely change, which is still mind blowing. It's a huge company. You don't just pivot, but we are. There's cool stuff coming. Yeah. Interesting times. Well, Mike, Bill, thank you so much for joining us on Over the Edge. This has been a fabulous conversation and we will cram as many links to these projects and expeditions as we can into the show notes. Maybe we'll have you back in a while to find out what they're doing in the village in Bolivia and how it's evolved. Well, this, this was really fun to talk with you guys. I love these conversations. Yeah, thanks, um, Mike. Really appreciate you guys having me hang out with y'all. I do want to say I was really inspired by historical explorers, which is one of the reasons I became so fascinated, but it, this is something that when I'm working with Bill and hearing about Edge and, and the, the stuff that I've kind of learned that creates that new enthusiasm is takes some time, but the impossible takes longer. I feel like there's some impossible things <laughs> that this Edge technology is going to unfold or unravel. I'm just fascinated, but um, I do appreciate you having me on. Uh, this was fun to talk about. And, you know, my life as an explorer and, and going around the world and connecting with the tech world and the minds and thoughts of what that's doing. And, and you know, my stuff doesn't happen without technology. This is, uh, this is really fun. I appreciate it. That does it for this episode of Over the Edge. If you're enjoying the show, please leave a rating and a review and tell a friend. Over the Edge is made possible through the generous sponsorship of our partners at Dell Technologies. Simplify your edge so you can generate more value. Learn more by visiting dell.com.